Get ready for the Girls on Games podcast, your weekly dose of news, reviews, and everything video games. Always served with a good helping of hype and just a pinch of salt. And now, your host, Leah. Welcome to another Girls on Games podcast. My name is Leah. I'm the host of this show. This is episode number 427. And this week, we've got a special interview as topic of the show. I got to speak to the president of the Entertainment Software Association of Canada, Jason Hilchey. Um, they recently conducted a survey, uh, survey, yeah, in partnership with the ESA out of the U.S. and uh, video game trade associations of 11 other countries. And it's called The Power of Play. And it talks about, you know, how play, video games in particular, help people and how it's motivational and helps with stress relief and all that kind of stuff, which I think is really cool because usually people in power at governmental levels don't talk about these things. (laughs) (laughs) They talk about other stress relievers. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Government is stressful. Um, So yeah, that's coming up as topic of the show. But before we get into that, I want to introduce you to the friendly voices around this digital table. Catherine, how you doing? I'm good yourself. I'm great. Joelle, what's up? Hey, you know, I just, the listeners, we are all at our standing desks and we are all standing. We have big ass standing energy. So we'll see how this goes. The energy (laughs) is here. Podcasters courting? No, sports. Sports! Um, housekeeping. All right. I'd like to remind you that if you enjoy this show, you can subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Podbean. If you'd like to get some GOG merch, you can do that by going to designbyhumans.com slash shop slash girls on games. Or maybe you'd like to give us a tip, maybe buy us a coffee. You can do that by going to our Kofi. That's ko-fi.com slash girls on games. Ladies, I'm not going to lie. I now on week two of the Fancy Pants computer and the, uh, the standing desk and standing and doing things like this and you know what i feel like it brings the energy oh hell yeah yeah, yeah? Uh, meetings are never going to be sit down things ever again for me no <laughs> yeah truth especially and- like zoom calls or what teams meetings or whatever like most of my meetings are online even when i'm in the office so um even in, at the office i don't have a standing desk if i have some kind of call i'm just getting up mm-hmm. i'm like you need it you need that break. I think 2023 might be the start of all of us really thinking about our health between all the different trials and tribulations that have been going on. And, uh, you know, the first time ever, I think we started Discord chat being like, uh, Kat saying, you're permitted to go back to the gym. Joelle was gone to the gym and I did a at-home workout. So, yeah. like, I, I think the fitness fit thing is kicking in. Yeah, we're all endorphined up. So, yeah, so I, I went to meet with some <laughs> kinesiologists to actually think about how my continue going back to the gym would be oh, yeah. and how it's going to look like. That's so it, it was actually very um, heartwarming when you're like, I'm going to the gym too. And I was like, oh, cat's back at the gym. It just is yeah, all well, turns out it wasn't this session wasn't in the gym. This I, session I was just like. I showed up and they were like, we have about a hundred questions for you and this is going to take an hour. And I was like, so I brought my running shoes for nothing. Okay. But at <laughs> least you're there, you know, like, yeah, that's, that's no. all good stuff. Yeah. yeah they have I'm, to ask all those important questions to make sure you don't hurt yourself again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Truth. Uh, Kat, outside of that, how's your week been? 
pretty, pretty quiet gearing up for some Christmas plans. Um, mostly like work because it's happening mostly like in the first half of December. Also planned what I'm going to do over the holidays. Um, this year I decided to go back home with my spouse. Usually we spend Christmas apart because I stay with my family here in Montreal, but, uh, because I missed Thanksgiving with his family, I decided I'll go spend Christmas with his family. Um, my mom and my brother were like, sure, whatever. Uh, it's fine. Uh, we don't have like a lot of like family guilt or big obligations with Christmas. You know, you do, you do what you got to do. Uh, so started planning that and then possibly spending new years with my mom. I'll see, but mostly just, uh, thinking about that. I'm just Question. trying. Yes. Um, in, so Mike's dad is married to a lady from Quebec mm -hmm. and Christmas Eve is a much bigger thing for their family than Christmas day. Is that the same thing in your family? No, but my okay. family is weird because we're like part Anglo. Okay. Uh, but like for me, like from what I understand from a lot of like true, like, you know, pure land Quebecois, ugh, it's yeah. either Christmas Eve. Yeah. Or New Year's Eve. Oh. So oh. in Pascal's family and in my sister's in law's family, New Year's Eve was the big party. So Christmas was usually just a, like a small family thing, you know, like with the kids and whatnot. Supper, uh and it's usually Christmas Eve because you would go to the midnight mass. Okay. So it was supper on the twenty fourth, midnight mass, and then wake up the next day on the 25th and open the gifts. Mm -hmm. And then whatever big family gatherings are usually uh, New Year's. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then what I found out with depending on the situation is a lot of like, you know, people get married, have kids. And then one family takes Christmas and then the other family takes New Year's. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But for us, it was always the night of the 25th. But we were always the house of stragglers if you didn't have somewhere to go at christmas you could come to my mom's oh your mom's a sweetheart yeah so we ended up with uh a lot of people that would have like a party on the 24th and then nothing to do on the 25th and we would just show up with our friends on the 25th uh we uh, had a big thing so we were not really into those big traditions and whatnot mm. so Hmm. Made it made it easy for me. I used to spend the twenty fourth like with whatever uh, family boyfriend at the time, and then twenty fifth with my mom. And then, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I just didn't know because I know that that was or I'd heard, obviously experienced that tradition mm -hmm. where it was like, and it was a f like full on party. Yeah, it's a big thing. Like it's a rager borderline. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's changed a lot, like over over the years, and like with generations and whatnot. But yeah. it, it, there's always like either there's one of the eves. If you're in a French Canadian family, one of the eves is a fucking party. It's a time. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Shwa, what have you been up to this week? How was Thanksgiving? And oh, how was your yeah. adventures in cooking the uh, what were they again? Partridges. They're they're Cornish the Cornish, hens. Cornish hens. I I you know I figured I'd get to the right poultry eventually. They're eventually, right? they're just like <laughs> honestly like mini chickens. They're because like like pheasants they just have a different they have a different like density and like 
structure, mm. more like a duck. Okay. But, th- but this one, yeah, they were definitely just little, <laughs> they were just mini chickens. <laughs> um, and in, in some ways, in some ways they were cute and fun. In other ways, I was like, I just kind of want to cook a chicken because <laughs> you have to duplicate everything because of their tiny little bodies. Um, but the recipe turned out really good. I did a Moroccan uh, roasted Cornish hens with Rouse El Hanout. I hope I'm pronouncing that spice correctly, uh, which was really, really delicious. It has like 14 different spices in it um, to create this very like, I mean, I don't know how else to describe it, but like sensually aromatic, <laughs> like experience with like cinnamon and cumin, just like those deep, uh, those deep spices that really kind of bring out the the flavor. Um, and it was it was delicious. And I I tried to get together with a few friends, but by the time that they had finished their meal and the time that I had finished my meal, we were going to try to do dessert. But we were both too tired <laughs> to go. So, um, yeah, I just had a really chill Thanksgiving, which was really great for me. I had realized that I hadn't had like a true break, like just like a mental break from life in a really long time. Because my former job, I was a contractor. So even though when I had time off, I was just always thinking about like where my security was going to come from mm-hmm. and it was just very taxing. So this was the first time I had a break where I could like truly just like relax. So so that was that was well needed and wonderful. And so I had a great I had a great holiday and uh chatted with some uh close girlfriends last night. So so yeah, it was it was it was good. Great. Did either of you ladies partake into any video game related Black Friday shopping? I did because um, my nephew w- had a few things on his list. So I got some I got some really good deals on some PlayStation stuff uh, for him. So that made me excited. All right. Kat, did you buy anything? Not video game related. No, okay. I bought like stuff like jewelry and Reusable, uh, reusable period products. Oh. They're on sale during Black hey, Friday. Yo, whatever's <laughs> on sale, right? Hey, whatever's on sale, man. Whatever's on sale. <laughs> Best time. Free shipping, twenty percent off. You know what? I need a restock. Some it's gonna stuff, last uh, me forever. Yeah, yeah. I bought all the cable management stuff for my desk. Oh, good call. The the USB hub has not come in yet. I think it comes tomorrow, oh. so it's not like I can do any of that yet. I might try and do that the weekend. Um, though Friday I am taking off, uh, cause I have some rogue holidays that I need to take off before the end of the year. Cause they won't carry over. And Mike's got Friday, Saturday off. So we're going to do our Christmas decorating then because oh, nice. we haven't had a chance yet. We wanted to do it last Friday when it was mm-hmm. black Friday, mm-hmm. but Mike went into work at 6am oh, because it was black Friday. God bless him. <laughs> oh, so goodness. yeah, he was a little pooped when he got home at two in the afternoon. Ooh. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I it, I did get my yeah I did get my tree up, and that's always very. Good. I threw on Lord of the Rings. That's like kind of my like Christmas movie, even though <laughs> it has nothing to do with any of that. But it's a it, I don't know. It's just my, it's my Christmas thing. So I threw on Lord of the Rings and I and I put the tree up and I have a few presents already, um, and I wrapped those and so 
nice. It's very, very festive. Yeah. And I, I got my boyfriend the best gift ever. I'm so excited to give it to him. And it came in a really big box. And I found the largest bow at Target. <laughs> and it covers the whole top of the box. I'll have to take a photo and put it in the Discord for everyone to see. But it is hilarious. So. Nice. One of those bows that you would like put on a car. Oh, no, they didn't have one of those. It was, it, it's like that true present, like spiky okay. bow, oh. like bread, shiny, spiky bow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I saw it and I was like, I have, this is stupid consumerism. How dare you? But I have to have this. And I put it on the It's package. like a TikTok sound, like capitalism really popped off today, ladies. Oh, man, yeah, it, it did. sure did. Tis, yeah. Twas the weekend for capitalism. Yeah, I pretty much finished my Christmas shopping. I have a few odds and ends, but... I was prepared. I was ready. I wanted to have it done before uh, December 1st because it's just it's too busy and I just don't have the mental capacity to handle it. And then one day when Mike's at work, um, I can sit down and wrap everything, which, you know, makes me feel good because then I'm like, I'm done because he always ends up doing it Christmas Eve. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I have like a I have like an ethical, you know, conundrum for you all. OK, OK. This just might expose like how terrible and impatient I am, but. So my boyfriend is traveling, and he bought me gifts, but he doesn't have anywhere to send them except for my place. So he's going to send me the gifts that he bought to my place. So I have to keep them until he gets here in the second week of December, and he'll wrap them and put them under the tree. I am like, at this point in time, I'm like 75% wanting to open the gift to see what he got me. Just to close oh. it back up and then put it back under the tree. <laughs> he'll so, know. Do you think he'll know? I feel yeah, like I could be a pretty good. Tape, you can't know. fake your surprise. No. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, All right, my, uh, my sister-in-law wanted to buy me a Christmas gift and asked me what I wanted. And I told her what I wanted. She was really nervous that because she's had issues shipping stuff. Because I'm in, I'm in this apartment complex that like is really weird because the numbers are all messed up. And like the postal code, like some places it says it's Toronto. Other places say it's York. It's really weird. So anyway, she ordered me the present. It showed up the next day, but went to my neighbor's oh. house. Oh no! But I, do you want to know what it is? Because <laughs> I haven't touched it yet. Oh, it's the Stellar Shift Xbox oh. controller to match my purple aesthetic for the oh. new office. Yes, but it's just sitting here in the box. <laughs> I, I haven't touched it yet. You have some great self control. I'd be all over that. <laughs> Speaking of controllers, I have a conf- I have a sad confession to make. Uh-oh. Uh the Jolt controller that matches my office, the oh, yeah. USB port is faulty and it keeps disconnecting. So I've oh. swapped with my Xbox, like the console controller. So now the lemon lime controller that matches my office is out here, and now I have this blue one here. Oh <laughs> the aesthetic is controller. broken. It's not the same. It's It'll not have, the you same. You got that one. You got that one when it was still the ser- the the one, right? So it's no. not even Oh, no. is it a series X one? Yeah, okay. it came out with the the a bit it was one of the first the Jolt one was one of the first new colors that they came out after. Because <sighs> the, oh, okay. the console they did the black, this blue, and the red. Mm-hmm. And then that yellow came later. And I got okay. it like on a whim just because it matched my office. But yeah, the I might try to clean the USB C connector to see if I can still use it, because I need to use it wired in my office. 
because mm-hmm. if not, it doesn't work with Citrix if I don't use it wired. Mm. Oh, mm. I didn't think of that. Yeah, because that yeah. was one of the things, too, when I was looking at this PC, um, was like, does it have Bluetooth? Because then I can connect the controller, or do I need the dongle, or whatever. Uh, it, should, have... it, sh- it should work. If you have Bluetooth yeah. on your controller, uh, on in the PC, and it the controller is an Xbox, it'll work. It's just for me, like, 90% of the time when I use a controller, this computer is for work. Mm, true. So if it doesn't work with Citrix, I am shit out of luck. Also, true. it was disconnecting, and um, even when I was playing locally, like, it was throwing me off my game all the time, mm. especially when playing For Honor. God. Ugh. Yeah. So, <sighs> my They're aesthetic well is gone. The it- controllers <laughs> are well-loved in our households. Yeah, me mm-hmm. too. Me too. They go, I'll- like, after a year or two, they start showing it. Yeah, they show the rage, especially if you use them regularly. Yo, my though, my pro controller for yeah. Nintendo for the Switch. Yeah. That thing, I bought that thing like a few months after I bought or I got the Switch in 2017. It's mm. been flawless. Mm. I That's have something no, to say considering the Joy-Cons are not. I know. Yeah. But that pro, I was thinking about the other day cuz I was uh finishing up uh Tears of the Kingdom, which we'll talk mm. about a little bit later, but I was mm-hmm. like I've never had a problem with this controller and I've already had to replace a uh, dual sense that mm. I've had like for ten months. Anyway, I just I'm like I'm like floored by how well that. Yeah, no, the up. pro controller is doing good. Like my yeah. my brother, I've been chatting with my brother because he wants to buy a switch for the kids this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, and yeah, I told him I'm like, be ready for the Joy Cons to go to shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the other thing too is he buys him a switch. There's probably another one coming next year. But I don't know. He probably got a good deal on it. There was lots of nice, uh, well, nice he, deals with packing games. Yeah, he told me, "Is it like time now?" Because like, there's a new one. I'm like, the rumors have been for the new one for three years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the the games you want to play with your kids and the, the games like interest your kids do not need the new Switch. Yeah, they're not going to play Tears in the Kingdom. Mm. They're going to play Mario, oh, Mario yeah, Kart, sure. and yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever in the sports, baseball, or hockey game they can find in the eShop. You know, yeah. like co op, trash co op games like Blanc. Mm-hmm. I was like, you can get this one. Yeah. And like, once they've put it through the ringer, like in three, four years, the new one is out and you want to get it. True. Yeah. You can get it. I'm like, everything has a Nintendo tax. It's all going to be expensive anyway. <laughs> That's true. I'm like, <laughs> if, the truth. if anything, if there's a new one coming, you will get the old more of the old one secondhand on marketplace. So when yeah. they destroy that switch in like three, four years, yeah, don't get the new one. Just get the old one at discounted. I was looking at on Amazon too. There's a lot of knockoff Joy Cons. Thinking That's about trying got. them out. Yeah, yeah I was like, he maybe got that a would be the way to go. He got like a big kit because he wanted like a, a case, a carrying case, because they're yeah. mostly going to play it when they go like traveling to the shower yeah. or something, yeah, yeah. yeah. family yeah. and stuff. And it came with, like, extra Joy-Cons and, like, cheaper, like, uh, wire Joy-Cons. Stuff that, like, the youngest could destroy. And I was mm. like, yeah, that's what you want to do. True. Very true. Mm. Um, Folks, before we get into Fantasy Critic, um, we've had two questions uh, from community members reach out to us and ask us. And I thought it'd be kind of fun to bring it to the podcast and talk it out. Because, like, that's way more fun than us just tweeting back at you, isn't it? Um, So, the very first question comes from... I want to make sure I had name right. It's from Zhang Pao. It goes by ZatF underscore Bernie on uh, on, uh, Twitter. And they want to know, because no one asked, who would you cast in the Mass Effect movie slash TV show? 
Bonus question. Would you rather see a TV show or a movie? Catherine, I know you recently played through, well, recently, fairly recently, played through most of Mass Effect. So you're probably one of the experts on this right now. But I'm terrible at remembering actors and who they do. Anyway, um, the only, first off, no Chris Pratt. He's not allowed. (laughs) (laughs) He's not allowed. You've had enough. Weird roles where you just show up and use your natural voice, sir. Do you, we we don't need do you, you. Do you want a female ship or a male ship? I would go with fem ship. I would too. also go with fem ship. Yeah. I I who would play a good fem ship? Well, Kat, well, Kat, do you do you want it to be a show or a movie? I think it should be a show. Me too. I agree. Yeah, I, I think it's got enough story, enough depth, enough character, enough world building, like for it to be like the likes of Star. I'm thinking more Star Trek and not Star Wars. Yeah, the so, only yeah, the yeah. only thing is though, like when you do a movie, you've got way more opportunity because it's a one shot to do like fancy pantsy sci fi. But mm. I feel like they've gotten a lot further with what they can produce for a TV show. Maybe we should put the asterisks on this. It needs to be an HBO TV show. There yeah, you go. Epic. Last, there you go. Yes. thrown at this yeah. thing. Budget. <laughs> budget, people. Yeah. yeah. If you can do dragons, you can do space effects. That's right. Space effects. Space I, effects. I honestly think a lot of like the voice cast could probably be cast, I guess. Um Oh, I forget what the name of the big dudes are. Uh <laughs> wait, my, big dudes. Effect. Google big the, dudes. The 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 violent uh alien races. What are their names? Oh no. Do do Oh no. Like 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 where where oh, are you? I forgot. I'm the worst for that kind of stuff. I forgot. Yeah, like Eve not Garrus. Oh. Yeah. Everybody's grunt. yelling at us. There now. we go. Grunt. The, the yeah, grunt. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh maybe like I I would see like one of those like characters like one of that race like Christopher Judge, who does Kratos. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that'd be cool. Be, he would have like if it's like the like makeup and a suit. Yeah, he would have the presence to oh, just yeah. like wear like and just be yeah. like, I'm a big dude. Like because like yeah. the Krogans. There we go. Yeah, the Krogans. Yep, mm-hmm. the Krogans. They're big, but uh, I mean, I think we should discuss Garrus, which is the yes. choice. The romantic, amen, yeah, in Mass Effect. So, and who do you want to play, Garrus? So the voice actor is Brandon Kinnear. I don't know if enough makeup. The voice actor would work. Cool. He he plays in stuff like in. He was in the Rookie and CSI Vegas. Am am I being like way too selfish to say um, Henry Cavill for that? Just Why like Garrus, yeah, because he's so Why he is nerdy. Not. Like he understands, <laughs> he knows, but but he's too good looking to cover up with makeup. Too no, he's too like his he's too square. Like his, his stocky, oh. stocky. His oh, face, okay. his jaw. Well, isn't like, Garrus kind of big? Like, isn't he kind of a big 
character, Garrus? He's got... He's in a big thing. Like, it, it's not the size or, like, the fact yeah. that he's too muscly. I just feel mm. like it's... Garrus is, um... Is a bit of a soft... Like, not physically, but in general, is a bit of a soft character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, more soft-spoken, really yeah. smooth, really yeah. chill. Like, he's he's a sniper. Like, yeah. He's an elite sharpshooter, so he's very... Patient and pull and posed hmm. and poised. Hmm. Hmm. So I I don't know enough about American actors. <laughs> I like, it's all right. I would well, love. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just say I would love to see Florence Pooh as Flum, as Femship. Yeah, like, she'd be great. I think she'd be great at she'd it. She'd be fantastic. Yeah, I think she would sell it hardcore. Yeah. I just Google her and absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> she was in the black widow movie yeah yeah yeah, yeah. In, in midsummer yeah yeah she's been in a bunch of stuff a bunch of stuff yeah, she's, she's super great. popular right now uh-huh so i yeah, would, no, I would great. love to see her and then uh yeah i would i'm all down for this like this would be fantastic i can't this has to be in the pipeline somewhere if mass effect 3 comes out like sorry mass effect 4 my bad that this this I'm, I'm gonna claim it right now. I am going to manifest this for everyone that this is going to happen. We are going the TV to, show or the movie either, or just some sort of some like, sort d- different you know mainstream yes. media yes. property. Yes, this I'm calling it. This is okay. November of 2023. Possibly okay. in 2025, we'll get an announcement of a Mass Effect adaptation. Remember this day, folks. Remember this day. I've declared. (laughs) I have another question for you. This one came from Darth Stridius, a.k.a. Kyle, in our uh, Discord chat. Question for the podcast. If you could take one movie IP and a Nintendo IP and mash them up, what would you pick? And he said it would be for him, it would be Top Gun and Star Fox. Amazing. So, thoughts? A very, very serious, scary, jaw-dropping, giving me nightmare for weeks horror franchise in Luigi's Mansion. (laughs) (laughs) For shits and giggles. Just like, I don't know, Saw Mind Games and then you pan and like, oh my god. (laughs) And he's got a freaking vacuum cleaner. Wow. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's I'm gonna be thinking about that for a while, Kat. Thanks a lot. Uh I I think for me it would go with uh Fast and Furious plus Mario Kart. Oh, yeah. It's all about Excellent. family, you know. It's all Excellent. About and then you have Luigi in the background with his like mm, yeah. face. That picture up there. The yes. death stare. Uh I was thinking like Zelda plus Indiana Jones would be kind of cool. That's a good one. You know, because it's kind of like spelunking and searching Finding for the treasure. That big belongs in a museum. Exactly. <laughs> and then you're running away from Boulder because you picked up the Triforce. And yeah. That's yeah, great. Yeah, I think that's that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think what is like the most obtuse things like Animal Crossing plus White Lotus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. That was- I've got one for the 90s kids. Yeah. Pikmin. Yeah. And Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, that was good. 
I like that. That's I good. like that. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. my god! All right, name another uh, Nintendo franchise, and let's try and pick some, put something with it. Um, Metroid. 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 I feel like Aliens is too obvious. Yeah, like, Aliens is pretty you obvious. Can't go aliens, so. Star Trek is an easy one too. Yeah. Like that's probably an easy just because of the 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 sci-fi, the sci-fi yeah. setting. Yeah. Um what other ones have we got? I feel like it's hard too because everything's like uh, a step off from like you know, we could do Mario Tennis in Wimbledon. I know, <laughs> like, I know, I know. What if we did Metroid in like Toy Story? Like oh, a little a little yeah. a little now bit of cooking. that. Yeah, yeah. That'd, be, that'd be pretty fun. That'd be pretty of like, neat. Yeah, Zero Suit Zamus can get in her suit and get out of her suit, and then maybe she falls in love with a cowboy. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like toy soldiers or something like that. <laughs> yeah, how they follow her into battle. Yeah. <sighs> oh my gosh, that'd be funny. Uh, great questions, folks. Continue with them. Please send us more questions. and Because uh, you never know. You, you, we might come up with the next the next big thing and then someone will make it and then we'll be like we came up with that idea first and then sue them for a quarter of it <laughs> <laughs> no we're canadians uh, we're just gonna apologize well, the, Amer- gonna, the american sorry. will sue <laughs> on behalf of the canadians <laughs> there you go the american will sue all right we are so close to the end of fantasy critic oh my gosh <laughs> there is officially two games left one of them steam world build Still has, like, is, like, kind of sitting there in that no man's land where it has points, but it hasn't been officially tallied yet into the system because it doesn't come out until Friday, Um, which is sitting at a critics of 80. And then the other one is Avatar. So I feel like we're locked down now. It's still Cat, me, Simon, Joelle in the podcast. Yeah, I think we're. And a similar thing in the community one, Darth. Pat, Alban, Phoenix, myself, Joelle, Tim, and Simon. What's funny is the points projected and the points actual, the only people who are inverted are me and Joelle. Everybody else is projected <laughs> and actual mm-hmm. are spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, props to Darth for spending every bit of his budget except for five bucks. That's pretty impressive. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Tim and Simon gave up. They still have like 84 and $82 left. But like, <laughs> and Al Bang like was a penny pincher. He has 64 bucks left in his budget. No, it doesn't carry over to next year. Al Bang. That's not how this is working. Because <laughs> I know they talked about that a bit um, in the Discord channel. I'm like, we didn't set those rules last year. Therefore, they can't. They can't. So yeah, we've already been talking about the schedule for next year, so um, be prepared. Early January, if you want to take part in our community fantasy critic, you're more than welcome to, and uh, join our Discord channel, discord.me slash girls on games, to find out when we will have our draft. Okay, uh, ladies, I have been playing some games. I'm sure you have been as well. Kat, what have you been playing? Oh, I started the end game of Sea of Stars. Ooh. I'm in the final dungeon doing Ooh. the final bosses. And final countdown. Yeah, and I'm sad. I don't want it to end. <laughs> yeah. It it ends and I don't want to go digging for treasure like I'm like I just want to play the story. Yeah. <laughs> um so I'm probably going to finish it on Wednesday or Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, and then I gotta figure out what to play next. What's next? What is coming up? Well, 
what were you going to pick up with your your other uh, coupon or whatever from uh, Nintendo? I used it. Oh, what did you use it on? Pascal, so that he could play RP- the Mario RPG remake. Ah, that's what I'm playing too. Cool. So I might play that, but I'm I'm playing with the idea oh. of oh. restarting Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Oh, but not like, Mirage. I didn't. I never finished Valhalla, and Mirage is about best sim. That's in Valhalla. So I I'm guess. like, do do I power through Valhalla? Like, put the start a new game, put the shit on easy, and just kind of mm. like barrel mm. through it. Put blinders like, on and just be like story mode, story mode, story mode. Story yeah, mode. <laughs> yeah, because you know, like I enjoy a lot of fucking around and finding out in Assassin's Creed, but that game didn't like draw me in. So maybe give it a second chance. Mm-hmm. You know, finish it in 40 hours instead of 120 mm. and then move on to Mirage. Mm. You could. Mirage is also not that long. And you can still fuck around and find out on side quests and yeah. be okay. Yeah. But so I'm as I'm you think, wish. I'm thinking about like maybe doing that because like the holidays are around the corner. So I think it's feasible for me to like kind of like sit down and finish these games in like two, three weeks. Um, and I'm only going to be gone for like three, four days. That's when you bring your Switch with Super Mario RPG. Yes. RPG. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Or that's I, very much a grindy game. Mm-hmm. Or uh, bring my laptop and start a new run of Baldur's, Baldur's Gate. Gate. Who are yeah. Who are we kidding? That's, that's exactly doing. what happened. Yeah. <laughs> a darker run is still waiting. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> the urge is urging. <laughs> yeah, those are those are my plans because, like, unfortunately, the new Jedi game hasn't trickled down to Game Pass yet. With my uh, basic yeah. gameplay, uh, mm-hmm. it will I'm, be here soon. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not being cheap here. It's just. I have so much stuff to play that, like, by the time I get to it, if it's not there, I'll just buy the fucking thing. Like, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think you're cheap. It's just more like strategy and like what's in your backlog and what you want to play and like what's available. Like, it's just <laughs> I don't think now it's necessarily a like. It, it, I think budget's always a factor, but it's also like what else do I have and what else is at my disposal at the moment? Yeah, are and you I'm, interested in playing Persona Five Tactica? No, okay. I think I've had enough Persona Five. <laughs> For I'm gonna play while. it. I get you. I get you. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna maybe look at a few streams, a few YouTube, but I don't think. I'm gonna. Okay. I, I do love the genre, though. Yeah, of course you do. I know you do. I'm not sure. I need yeah, you're like I don't need to see Joker again. Ah, uh, Joel. Ooh, I stabby stabbed. Uh, Ganon. And I finished Tears of the Kingdom. Wow. You did it. I did it. I I thought the story was phenomenal. Like, I, Kat, Kat, did you finish it? I can't remember. I did not. I got annoyed annoyed with the final dungeon boss type thing. Yes. Yes. That was And I was like struggling with it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then I got an an email notification that Baldur's Gate 3. Oh, yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, okay, yeah. And then, yeah, and then, Lee, you didn't finish it either, yeah. No, I got sidetracked by Assassin's Creed Mirage yeah. and other games and haven't gone back. I, I will say, Kat, that, yeah, that the final dungeon, that I was rage playing. I was a little, yeah. like, I'm 
upset that this is how I have to do this. And I just it's looked annoyingly at, hard. It is. I, just, I just looked at tutorials. So I'm like, I'm not. I don't. I don't enjoy the building mechanics of of the game to begin with. And so I, I was just like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> so tedious but um i thought the story was so good the ending i i did unlock like all of the like using breath of the wild language like all of the memories and so the ending Mm -hmm. was very satisfying so i'm really glad i spent the time doing that and i thought the story of tears of the kingdom was just phenomenal i really thought they really did the story justice in, in how they laid everything out. So to me that was so good and the ending was so good. That that made it all worth it <laughs> having to go through that dungeon, but um I I will say that it will be hard for me I think to do like a hard replay of Tears of the Kingdom just for the fusing and building aspect because that's just not a style of gameplay that I enjoy. Like maybe I'll dip back to you know, tr- try to beat a Lionel or try to beat um, the, the dra- I forgot what the dragons were called. Um, the, the three-headed yeah. dragons. Oh, the three-headed dragons. Yeah. yeah. So maybe I'll dip back to try to do some bosses and stuff, but I. Uh, the, the dragons, <laughs> honestly, like, if they're like one element, they can be pretty easy once you get enough gear. Mm-hmm. But the ones that you show up, like, in, in the other ground. Oh uh, yeah, I forget what the name is, but they're corrupted, and they have like the three elements. They're the I'm gloom, just like, oh, on top of yeah, their. Uh, I'm like, I'm not spending my whole, um, <laughs> uh, like all my whole inventory of arrows and bomb yeah. flowers and whatnot yeah. on you. Like, fuck that shit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, there's a lot of stuff that I was like, you're. I feel they put there just because people played the fuck out of the book yes. for a while, so they put yes. a lot of like dark soul ish like challenging like get mm-hmm. people to grind and play like this game for 500 hours but i was like mm-hmm. i'm not here for this yeah and that's why like once i was in the dungeon and i was having issues and then one of my building didn't work and i got stuck and then i couldn't pass a thing and i stuck for an hour there when i passed oh. it i was greeted by a silver lionel i was like fuck this yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm gonna go play dungeons and dragons yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so I, I, I think though it was still phenomenal. Like what a gift that game was to us, and so I, I loved it. And um, I took about a day break, and then I started a new game. Classic <laughs> Joel, just banging him out. As I do. Um, so I started uh, Kina Bridge of Spirits, which was in my <laughs> backlog, and I wanted to play. It was on a uh, PlayStation Plus, so I got it for. Girl math, I got it for free. (laughs) 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 Um, So I started that, and that's been really, really fun. I'm really enjoying that so far. And um, I have to finish Cocoon, though, so I might dip back into Cocoon and finish that and then go back. But if I start one more game by the end of the year, I will have played 30 games this year. Wow. Good for you. (laughs) Wow. It's almost almost sad. (laughs) But anyway. I think I played like four. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I mentioned, I picked up Super Mario RPG Ooh. Remake and I'm playing through that. 
I really enjoy the improvements that they've made, both graphically and gameplay-wise. It's giving me some Sea of Stars vibes, because mm. there is a benefit to doing the whole thing like you would do in the, some of the Paper Mario games, where you, uh, if you hit the button the right time, you get extra uh, power or defense, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, the game is super grindy, though. That's one thing that I remember about it, is that, like... You're going through a level and you're like, ooh, this is really easy. And you're powering through all these bad guys where it's borderline one hit and it's almost annoying. And then you get to the boss and they kick your ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to grind the poop out of this. So, yeah, playing that. And I started City Skylines 2, which has a huge learning curve because I don't remember how to play City Skylines. So I've been watching lots of YouTubes and learning how to do it because I find that the tutorials in that game are not as good as they should be. So I need someone to walk me through. Um, And I find it really hard when I start my my little town that I want it to be a city right away. And I'm like, no, Leah. That's not how this works. You grow up to the city. Don't think. And and also, like, my, I guess, organizational, like, everything needs to be gridded. A grid, yeah, like, in a grid really throws me off when I'm on a land that's, like, super hilly and that just doesn't want to happen. So, yeah. So it, it's a love-hate relationship, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. <laughs> but it's a me problem more than a game problem. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so uh, a little bit of a little bit of Switch and a little bit of PC gaming over here. But ladies, it's actually time for a walk down memory card lane. Woo-hoo. Each week, the team will have to guess a historical game that would have been released during the time the time of this episode's airing. We'll start with its release date, and then I'll give hints about the game, and the team will attempt to guess what it is. As always, shout it out, talk it out, you know, make you know, discuss. It's cat's time and, to shine, and, and maybe you never know. It could be a one hit wonder like cat, where she comes in and she's just like, bam, this is the game. Or we could go through my entire list. We don't know until we start. We're going to start right now. This game released on December 7th of 2018. Uh, oh. Let the guessing begin. 2018? Mm-hmm. December 7th. That's so recent. Well, it's five years ago. Well, okay. Previous gen. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Cat, you got any magical dust floating around? It came around Christmas, 2018. Do you want another hit? Yeah, I'm not going to one-shot it this time. <laughs> this is a Nintendo Switch exclusive. Exclusive. Oh, Metroid? Thinking- Metroid remake? No. Is it, what's it called? The Ring Fit? Nope. <laughs> Mario Odyssey? Nope. Ooh. Uh, the uh Mario plus the rabbits. Nope. Mm. Do you want another hint? Yeah. Yeah. It has the largest roster ever, with seventy playable characters at launch. Pokemon. Oh, it's Super Smash Brothers. Yeah. Uh, which one? Oh, though? yeah. Uh. uh, Super Smash Bro Ultimate. Yes. yes you got yes. it. <laughs> nice work, Cat. 
So yeah, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate came out on December seventh of twenty eighteen. Like I mentioned, it was a Switch exclusive, had the largest oh, roster ever. Yeah. Single yeah. player mode was named the World of Light. Uh, there's a spirit system uh, which allowed players uh, to take spirits to enhance their characters' capabilities. It offered a variety of game modes, including classic mode, all star mode, squad strike, uh, providing diverse ways to enjoy the game. Uh, the game is. Uh, has res- had DLC, of course. Uh, notable uh, DLC fighters included Joker from Persona 5, mm-hmm. Banjo and Kazooie, and Terry Bogard from Fatal Fury. And it received widespread critical acclaim for its extensive content, polished gameplay, and celebration of gaming history. It has become one of the best-selling games on the Nintendo Switch platform. That was a good game. Yeah, yes. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't play Pokemon. It- like, you can't play the Pokemon. No. <laughs> we are, and we are notorious for making fun of Super Smash Ultimate here on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember that the the Nintendo Direct like the the for for E3 just yeah. before that game came out. Yeah. Um they were so deep because that was their only big title coming out. They were so yeah. deep into like at one point they were talking about like Sonic's shoelaces or something oh my god holly was having none of it she was like i don't care about your smash bros i don't care about the smash boys anymore (laughs) i never really understood that game i was never very good at it it really just felt like a button masher to me i'm sure that is blasphemous for a lot of people that uh enjoy ultimate but i appreciate it for the amount of work and detail gone into it. I mean, 70 characters. Yeah. Balancing 70 characters in a fighting game. Like, dang. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I went through maybe a dark time in my life where I went and watched some of the championship smash tournaments on YouTube. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they were interesting. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I love watching it as esports. It's yeah, fun. I it, just don't know how to do it. Yeah. I don't know how to play it. I don't understand it. I'm just like, things are just happening. Yeah. Characters are flying off. I don't understand the point system. Like, it's just, it yeah. It's fascinating. Just, so I'm just yeah. like, wow, this is, these people are legit. I mean, it, I don't know, but yeah. 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 But it's oh, a we good were, game that came out on December 7th, mm-hmm. 2018. We were talking about balancing, but I think like Smash Bros. the kind of game that like, there are like ten characters that are actually good, and everybody else is just <laughs> there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. When you get into the to the competitive ranks, people just play the same characters yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. And with that, I think it's time to get into our topic of the show. We've got that interview with the president of the Entertainment Software Association of Canada, Jason Hilchy. So we're going to get into that right now. Hello, Jason. Welcome to the Girls on Games podcast. Hello, I'm happy to be here. Tons of things I want to learn about the Entertainment Software Association of Canada, which you are a part of. So what is the group and what do you guys do exactly? Yeah, so uh, again, thanks for having me and uh, thrilled to be here. And it's always an opportunity for me to be able to talk about the video game industry, you know, something that, um, you know, I've been working in for the better part of the last 16 years. So um, the Entertainment Software Association is the National Trade Association for Canada's video game industry. I mean, we represent about 22 different video game companies, mostly the largest employers in, in the country. Uh, everything from Nintendo, PlayStation, Xbox to you know Electronic Arts, Roblox, uh, Epic Games, make Fortnite. Um, we 
basically do two functions. We are the protectors of the video game industry. So we protect the industry from harmful legislation or regulatory acts that the federal government or provincial governments may, may undertake. So we make sure that the business environment for video game making is the best it can be in the world. Canada has one of the biggest and best video game development industries in the entire world. And our job is to ensure that it stays that way. Uh, and then the second pillar of what we do is promote uh, some of sort of what I'm doing here today, right? Talking about the video game industry, talking about the jobs, talking about its impact on uh, social interactions, on uh, on mental health, those types of things. Um, and so our, our job is to really ensure that people understand how the video game industry is impacting not, the, not just the economy, um, but also the social fabric. And I think a lot of people really kind of came to understand that during the, uh, the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, where video games became such a fundamental part of their lives, not only just for entertainment and, and their own mental health, but, but also for social interaction and uh, the ability to stay in touch with their friends. And so those are the types of things that we really do and ensure that policymakers at the federal and provincial government levels, as well as uh, media, consumers, parents, you name it, uh, understand all of these uh, aspects of the video game industry. So it's a pretty, pretty fun job. Oh, yeah. It sounds really exciting. So it's all video game companies that are members of the group. What benefits them to be part of the association? The greater good. Uh, You know, association membership is always challenging. I've been in this job 11 years and uh, I have been doing what I can to kind of work on encompassing uh, a broader, the broadest kind of footprint as as we possibly can of companies across Canada. As any association will tell you, it, it really has to be something that companies feel uh, are of value to them, that they can contribute to, but that they see the bigger picture. Um, but also, it, it does tend to skew towards some of the larger companies that you know have a, a large investment in, in the Canadian industry. Um, and, uh, and for the most part, that, that is who we represent. But we have smaller independent companies like Codename Entertainment out of Victoria, Other Ocean Entertainment out of uh, Prince Edward Island and Newfoundland. So, you know, we do have Canadian-owned and operated studios. Uh, it's just, I would say, much more skewed toward larger companies that see, you know, the bigger picture that they, they need to ensure that the, their investment in Canada uh, remain sound, and so they contribute to our organization, uh, and they they collectively own our organization, and we work for them to ensure that you know we are doing the corporate public affairs work um, in a collective manner for the entire industry. Very cool. So you've said you've been with the company or the association now for eleven years. How did you get involved? Well, because the previous five years before that, I was working for the Nova. You see behind me, I have a Nova Scotia flag. That's where I'm originally from. I worked for the government of Nova Scotia in uh, economic development, mostly building a video game industry in in the province by uh, attracting foreign investment from the video game industry, flying all over the world, trying to promote Nova Scotia and Halifax, its capital city, to uh, companies like Electronic Arts and Ubisoft and uh, Microsoft, you name it. Um, and, uh, you know, through those five years, I met a lot of people and that led me to some of them being on the board of directors of the organization that I now run. Um, and so it, it just was one of those things that, uh, that really just kind of fell out of nowhere. So, and, uh, I assume you're a gamer as well. What do you like to play? I am much more uh, interested in games that are interactive beyond 
uh, I, I would not interactive, but I would say immersive. So I, I'm a bit of a fitness guy. So I really enjoy things like uh, 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 the, the Nintendo Switch with the, the Ring Fit. Uh, I was an Xbox 360 uh, Connect user when that was first out. I was one of the earlier people to have that. I have a PlayStation VR. Um, you know, any type of thing like that that really kind of puts you in the game, gets you moving, puts you around. I think there's so many great examples of, of that. And uh, I, I also think my kids really like those things as well. So we have a Switch and a Ring Fit and we have a, a PlayStation and the VR. And so, you know, I like to get my kids. My, my son right now is heavily interested in Gran Turismo because I took him to the Gran Turismo movie this summer and he fell in love with it. And so, uh He's been playing the Gran Turismo with the with the virtual reality headset uh, ability on it. So essentially, you can put the VR headset on and, and get into the game. And so, you know, those types of things, I that's really where I gravitate. I also like to play with my kids. Um, I, I rarely will sit down and just game alone. I'm much more interested in playing with my kids and making it a, a social pastime with them. So I want to do things that... Um, you know, one that that would be good to play with them, but also that gets them out of the regular games that they that they play. Mm. Yeah, I recently just watched that Grand Turismo movie too. It was fantastic, and uh, I can totally see how that would draw somebody in right away. My <laughs> husband's a big uh, a big F one fan, and uh, they constantly they have an ongoing uh, race every week. They almost do their own circuit with like a sim machine and everything. He hasn't gone to the full headset yet. Maybe one day, but uh, but yeah, he does have like the steering wheel and the whole setup. So I get where the draw is on that. Well, we just had a, <laughs> our we just had our recent parliamentary day in Ottawa. And uh, Xbox brought an entire immersive uh, Forza station uh, where they had, uh, I think it was three screens, the chair, the steering wheel, and the shifter. And you actually had to shift in order to get going. It was, I would say, I don't want to use the word intimidating, but it was intense. Did you have MPs playing? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Did the prime minister play? (laughs) Yeah, the prime minister, he he doesn't often make it to these things if we do get a chance to meet with him it's typically in you know closed doors but um, we did have the minister of employment and skills development randy boissano he came he played and he played spider-man and he played a number of other games as well so uh yeah we do get some high level government officials and i'd like to think that our event on the hill every year is is the best event because it brings the best product to the hill and it gets uh, elected officials kind of engaged with it as it's one of the best ways we have to do what i was saying earlier which is getting uh the message across to those who make the decisions so yeah but the forza game was uh it was it was pretty incredible Mm. And I think it's that message that is very important because um, there is a lot of common misconceptions about gamers and gaming and and what it causes and mental instability and things like that. And you recently were part of the study, The Power of Play, uh, that was alongside a bunch of other countries and associations, uh, the Americans, Australia, Europe, South Korea. Why is this study so important today? Well, I mean, it's no secret that negative headlines around the video game industry have been floating around prior to COVID. And then we had a bit of a break because everybody was using games. And now, of course, now that that COVID is over, uh, you know, media and others have picked up on some of the more negative, uh, you know, stereotypes that have been floating around. But it's it's important because we need to be able to counter those because there is another side to the story. But it's also important today because it's the first time that our industry has ever done a study like this on a global basis. I mean, we've done individual studies 
domestically, Canada, US, you know, Australia, we all kind of do our own things. We have our own programs. Uh, but this is the first time that all of us have pitched in financially, but cooperatively to be able to do something that would then benchmark data around the power of video games on a number of different fronts, but on a global basis. And so it was more powerful. So when they say power of play, definitely power of play, but also definitely power of, you know, collective action amongst all of us, because it did make this report much more powerful because we all launched it on the same day. We had all done it. We had 13 different company uh, countries doing it. So, you know, it, it was a lot more, I would say, impactful than it would have been if we'd just done this on our own. How did you conduct the study? Uh, the American Association led everything. So we uh, we needed somebody, obviously, who was going to be the center point to be able to conduct this. Mm -hmm. So they, they hired a, a public opinion research firm and uh, all of us, uh, you know, contributed financially. Um, we also contributed to the, you know, the survey questions. We contributed to localization, obviously, in the United States. They don't have to translate to French. We obviously have to translate to French. And we need to ensure that we get, you know, data points from Quebec that are reasonable, um, you know, that that uh, that have to be done. So, you know, just, everybody had their own kind of post-production localization work that they had to do. But um, the Americans definitely ran point on this. They did a fantastic job kind of shepherding all of us together and uh, and producing a report that, uh, that that ended up being quite positive. Yeah. Uh, the stats that I read was it was 13,000 active players across the entire all the countries with oh, just over a thousand Canadians, which is. Yeah, is it was 13,000 across across everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Did you see many differences between like Canadian players, American players, Australian players? There's always some slight differences, but ultimately, uh, you know, it's it, it's it's pretty similar across the board, which is what we were hoping, right? You know, we were hoping that we were going to be able to find uh, things that would be much more comparable. Uh, gamers are gamers. People are people. Um, you know, and we wanted to be able to see, uh, I'm not saying that there wasn't any discrepancies across countries, but they, you know, most of them were reasonably within what I would consider to be a margin of error, potentially culturally uh, as well. What was the key thing you wanted to learn out of the study? Well, I think for us, obviously, what we wanted to do is be able to kind of get a second opinion around what gamers are saying about how video games are impacting their lives. You know, I was just in Geneva a couple of weeks ago and we were meeting with the World Health Organization, who's been our biggest critic with respect to, you know, how video games are, are supposedly negative on, on people. Um, but the reality is, is that the people who are playing them are saying the total opposite, right? You know, 83% of Canadians who are uh, playing video games are saying that it actually provides mental stimulation. 79% say it creates accessible experiences for people with different abilities. 79% say it provides stress relief. And 60% say it creates a feeling of community. I mean, these are all positive attributes um, that, uh, that, are, that are positive impacts of video games. And, you know, so th those are the, the, the kind of main things that we wanted to find was, you know, okay, so we have, you know, gaming disorder over here and we have the World Health Organization over here. But, but what are gamers' opinions of, of you know, their the interactions with our products? And uh, this came out to be uh, quite positive. Mm. Was there anything that you were really surprised to learn in the process of doing the study? I wouldn't say I was really surprised. One, because we did something similar in 2022 on our own. Mm 
Mm. Um, and a lot of the data points, you know, ended up being quite similar. Um, so we had kind of a leadway of a year that we, we had already done something like this, but we wanted to be involved in this because it was of a global nature. But I think there were some some questions, you know, with respect to, you know, playing video games helps, you know, they, they make people happier. Uh, they provide a healthy outlet from everyday challenges. They help people get through difficult times in their lives. Like those are types of questions we didn't ask. And so those were some data points that we found to be, you know, really interesting and that, you know, Video games actually help people become less stressed, less anxious, and less isolated. Um, those are also really important things and very important pieces of data that we will use with respect to, you know, advocacy about how the positive impacts of video games are uh, are, are, are really kind of playing out across the player spectrum. Yeah, that's a great transition because my next follow-up is, where do you go from here? What do you do with this knowledge? Well, uh, we have great handouts that we've done, you know, so we, we actually just, again, being in Ottawa a couple of weeks ago, uh, we talked a lot with elected officials about the power of play, right? We talked a lot about how video games are a positive influence on people's lives. Uh, you know, as with anything, right? Like there is, you, you can't just play video games all day, right? And, you know, the other thing that we talk about a lot is uh, with policymakers is trust and safety and how our industry leads with respect to ratings, uh, making sure that parents and caregivers have the knowledge that they need to make decisions for the right types of games. You know, we're coming up on Christmas. We need parents to be able to ensure that, you know, video games, which are going to be top of the list. Uh, you know, I, I watch TV every day and they're starting to have the, the best gifts for Christmas. And I mean, there isn't a single one of those that doesn't either have a, a new release video game or a console on the top of the list of those. So we want to make sure that parents have the information they, they need to ratings. Um, but we also have parental controls in all of the, the various different uh, Nintendo, uh, PlayStation and Xbox, which can allow uh, players to, you know, one, limit screen time, limit their online functions, limit their in-game in payments, limit the uh, type of content that they play. So what we're trying to do is ensure that we are doing everything we can as an industry to put all of those things out there. Um, but at the same time, you know, one, because we need to ensure that people you know, play the video games responsibly and that they're, they're not, uh, you know, all consuming. Um, but at the same time, what we're seeing from our study and what we're relaying to policymakers is that, you know, for the vast majority of video game players, playing video games has a massive, powerful, positive impact on their lives. And, you know, these types of statistics from Power of Play that we turn into, you know, a microsite and we turn into handouts and things like that, that, that really allows us to convey our message to policymakers and to people like yourself and other media outlets um, with respect to kind of how the video game industry is impacting Canadians. And I think that's one of the things when we talk about what we do, you know, protecting and promoting the industry, something like this really falls right down the middle of protecting and promoting because we have to ensure that people look at our industry as doing the things that we should be doing to be responsible which we are, but we also have to be promoting the industry with respect to ensuring that people do do know that that the positive aspects that video games are having. So it's one thing to talk about, uh, you know, oh, I see my my friend's son is you know just always plays video games. Well, look, perhaps your friend's son has built a great community of people who have a lot of similar interests with them. They've made friends, you know, they've made uh, other positive things. Perhaps it helped bring them joy, and so. I think that one of the things we need to do is really make sure that, that we, we have that clear 
We are very much champions of the fact that we feel here at Girls on Games that the positive effects of video games, obviously we understand that there's a negative side of it as well, um, but we're very happy that we actually have some literature now that we can like reference because people come to us and they're like, hey, so like my kid likes this, my kid wants to play this, all the kind of stuff, like is it too much, is it good for them, all this kind of stuff, and we express all the positive natures of that but then also where they can go in their careers later if they decide that this is something that they really want to dive into um do you find that having this like is it working is it starting to convince policymakers and people who are maybe not in the know and as big gamers as we are that this is a positive thing you know over the last 11 years i've been in this job the vast majority of time i've been in it we've been focusing on the economic impact of the industry um it's been very much about uh, how video games are creating, you know, 32,000 full-time jobs across the country, you know, an average salary of almost $80,000 across all levels of experience and are contributing five and a half billion dollars to Canada's GDP. Those are the types of statistics that over the last, you know, I would say mostly nine of the last 11 years in this job, we've been highly focused on. That's really been where we have been putting our energy. It's mm-hmm. only been in the last couple of years that we've been really having to to talk more about the social impact of video games, uh, more about how video games are, are, are impacting people outside of that economic slice. And so it is one of those things that what I'm glad to say is the work that we've done, you know, with the Ottawa days we've done for the last 15 years with being present on uh, Parliament Hill and, and doing events, showing up video games or driving innovation, you know, in industries outside of ours, we, we already have a very good baseline uh, level of respect uh, from most policymakers. The other great thing is, is that over the last 11 years, I've had, I've been through five or so elections and, uh, Every single time there's an election, the MPs get younger and younger. And so, you know, as you kind of trend further into the future, you know, there's very few MPs now that didn't grow up with video games. Uh, 20 years ago, you're talking to people who, I don't, video games, you know, I, that's just for my kids. The average video game player is now in their mid-30s. That's the average. So there's plenty of people who are over that age and there's plenty of people who are, are under that age. But what you're seeing now is, you know, when you talk to members of parliament and elected officials in other provinces about the video game industry, there is an innate knowledge and experience that they have. They grew up with it. It's much easier now to be able to convey the messages that we have. I'm not saying that we still don't have our challenges and that we still have our work cut out for us with respect to, um, you know, getting the things that we want and, and, and putting our message out there. But the understanding and the, experience that policymakers have now with video games is is much much more uh than it was you know a decade ago and so that that helps um because you're not starting from negative one you're starting from you know plus five uh when you start to have these conversations but um ultimately i don't think anybody looks at video games you know with the default position that you know games are are bad right i think everybody Here's some of the things that they hear, and they want to just ensure that the industry is taking steps to deal with those in the best ways that we can. And, you know, I, I, I can solidly tell you that we are and that we're out there trying to ensure that um, that information gets into the hands of those who are buying the games as quickly as possible. 
Well, I really appreciate that there is an association that goes and represents these things because it is such a big part. And like, obviously, with different uh, uh, government bodies at all levels looking over the years, like I'm I'm no spring chicken. So I've seen the trajectory of like how things have have kind of come and, and the strides that have been made and how commonplace it is now, like you mentioned about the average age of a gamer. And uh, I'm I'm really appreciative of the fact that there's an association that goes and represents that because it is and for here in Canada, there's so many game companies that's a wealth of creativity and innovation and stuff that's happening right here in Canada that sometimes I don't think people realize is how many games are actually made here. Um, so thank you so much for, for fronting this association. Um, if people want to learn more about the uh, ESAC, where should they go? So if they want to learn more about the power of play, they can go to our website, theesa.ca. If they want to learn more about our study that came out last year, they can go to essentialfacts.ca, which is where we uh, put a lot of our uh, essential facts. And then if they want to learn more about the economic industry, uh, the economic part of our industry, they can go to canadianvideogameindustry.com or they can link to all these things through our website. But we do have a number of microsites that, that host our, our uh, various studies. Great. And I'll be including all those links in the show notes of this episode. So uh, much appreciated. And uh, thank you so much for coming to hang out with me and, and talk about this because, yeah, this is the side that oftentimes we don't get to learn too much about. <laughs> Yeah, I think there was probably less interesting things to talk about at four on a Friday afternoon. This was really, <laughs> this <True>. was really good. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, Jason. I, I really appreciate it. No, you too. Thanks so much. Thank you very much, Jason, uh, for taking the time to speak with us. I think it's uh, it's great to learn about, you know, how studies are done, how things work at a governmental and, and, and level for, especially for... Like I mentioned in the interview, it's stuff that like we don't really see. We're the consumer side of it. We don't necessarily see how you know the government and and different uh, uh, governing bodies kind of get influenced and and have to learn also about uh, about video games and uh, how policies are made around them, which is great. Um, that wraps up the show for this week. Uh, as always, I wanted you to let you know that you can check out the show notes on girlsongames.ca for links to all the stuff mentioned in this episode, including going to the website for, and I want to make sure I say it right because I always get the letters backwards, the ESA.ca. I kind of want to say ESCA. Like, I always want to mess it up and <laughs> rearrange the letters. And then I need to sit back and think about, no, it's the Entertainment Software Association of Canada. <laughs> And make sure I get that acronym right. Um, so yeah, all the, sh the the links to that are in the show notes. Um, if you could also do us a favor, uh, if you have the power to rate and review podcasts on the podcasting platform where you were listening to this content, that'd be much appreciated. Why? It helps us move up in the rankings. Uh, comments help us build our show. So uh, yeah, thank you very much for doing so. And this is also a chance where I get the crew to shout out their social media handles so you can follow them anywhere and everywhere online. Catherine, where can people find you? I am C-S-D-S-B-I-N-S-C-S-W-A on Twitter, X, Instagram, Blue Sky, Threads. But uh, I mostly shit post on the Girls on Games Discord. Lovely. Joelle, what's up? People can you? find me on Instagram at JoelleLauren87 and on Twitter at Gamer underscore Comfy. But to see the big-ass bow that I put on uh, my boyfriend's gift, you can check it out at the Girls on Games Discord. 
<laughs> awesome. Maybe I'll check that out in a second. I am Leah Jew on most social media platforms, but of course, you want to know everything there is to know about Girls on Games. You can track it down, us down at the Girls on Games on Twitter slash X and Facebook. Just Girls on Games. No thought in there on Instagram and Threads. Discord.me slash Girls on Games to continue this conversation and more. But of course, if you ever want to know anything at all, you can track it down at our home base. That is our website, girlsongames.ca. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Kat. Thank you, Joelle. It's been another lovely week in video games, and um, I think I'm going to go play Super Mario RPG, because Mike's out there racing F1 right now. It'd be kind of nice just to chill on the couch while he's doing that. It's nice. I love playing video games together, yet not together. It's it's excellent. <laughs> yeah. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you same time next week. Bye! Bye! Bye!